This week on Aliens Explored, we will be discussing the claim by US Air Force officer and former intelligence official David Grush that the US government is running a secret UAP retrieval program and is in possession of non-human spacecraft and dead pilots. NASA and the Department of Defence deny that there is any evidence for extraterrestrial life and say they are not reverse engineering any extraterrestrial materials. Sign up to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash aliens explored and help us to keep on doing what we do for the laughably low price of £2 sterling a month. Aliens Explored is a weekly podcast exploring famous and obscure cases of UFO sightings, alien abductions and other strange events from both a believing and a sceptical perspective whilst keeping an open mind. I'm Stu Jackson, a professional actor and amateur ufologist with a particular interest in the crop circle phenomenon. I'll be debating that otherworldly visitations are real. The truth is out there. And I'm Neil Kelly. I'm a professional actor as well and used to work for the military as an intelligence analyst. I'll be arguing from a more doubtful point of view. I mean, it's all a bit far-fetched, isn't it? Welcome back, listeners, to Aliens Explored, your weekly podcast looking into UAPs, UFOs, alien abductors, and the people involved in ufology, and much, much, much more besides. I am one of your hosts, Stu Jackson. And I am your other host, Neil Kelly. How are you doing, Neil? It's been a, it, it's been a little while since you and I have chatted, isn't it? Now that I think of it, yeah. How long's it been? Couple, couple of couple weeks. Of weeks. It's be a couple that of obviously weeks. to our yeah. listeners that won't be apparent, but yes, we haven't uh, seen or heard each other for a very long time. You see, I'm, I'm getting some facial hair back now. Uh, yes, for our for our audio listeners, um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, there might be a gentle screeching noise as you. Uh, yeah, you've you've got a face you could light matches with now. Absolutely, and this uh, is um, part of my, my my return to life as a gentleman of leisure, having um, quit Monopoly life-sized as of Friday. Mm. I'm no longer Mr. Monopoly for the time being anyway, which means I can grow my facial hair back. I mean, when I first went for the job, I had a moustache and a goatee beard, and they said, well, you, Mr. Monopoly has a moustache. And I said, well, I could just shave off the beard and have a moustache. They said, no, sorry, that moustache isn't Hasbro approved. You've got to stick on this false moustache. I I get that. It needs to look uniform across it. Well, there's only one Mr. Monopoly, we know that. There is. I mean, he bears a striking resemblance to uh, Mr. (laughs) Mr. Pringles. I think it's pretty much the same same character on the the side of the Pringles. He's only been Mr. Monopoly since 1999 when um, Hasbro bought up the game. Um, before that, he was your rich uncle, um, Milburn Pennybags. Pennybags. He's given you some wow. money to invest in the property market. 
Excellent, excellent. Um, so yeah, so of course you now to listen. So so because we obviously record these in advance, you will have done your your show, a a soldier's wife. So uh, kudos for that. Congratulations, you were absolutely amazing. Um, <laughs> I was I sat didn't. there listening and applauding with the best of them. Didn't fuck it up. That's well, my that prediction. Remains to be seen. Anyway. I mean, maybe we'll do the next episode. So <laughs> yeah, Neil did fuck it up. Uh, so, are you growing back facial hair for that for that role? No, I'm growing it back because I just fancy it, and also right, it gives so you're uh, going to be taking um, it off again. Cast, <laughs> it gives casting directors a choice, and, and they say, "Well, we want a moustache or a beard for this role." And so, I think it's a, a good thing for actors to grow hair and facial hair in their downtime because then, um, yeah, then it can be. I mean, you can't quickly grow hair or grow a beard or moustache, no. but uh, you can certainly shave it off. And in fact, that's what I'm usually asked to do. How <laughs> would you like my facial? Yeah, clean shaven, please. <laughs> So yeah, shave it all yeah. off. Just about grow it back. And how would you like my hair? No, clean shaven, please. So that's the, yeah. that's the way it goes. That's it. That's it. Um, well, yeah. So fantastic. Um, I also have to tell you that lined up? I've, oh, I've got other news. Um, I oh. did have an email from our mutual friend Chris offering me a job yes. as Father Christmas at the same site as you. And well, I that can't be right because I'm Father Christmas there. Yes, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> there's only I'm one Father, Father Christmas. Christmas. There's only one Father Christmas. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I've accepted. Oh, because oh, the other fantastic the, the other things that I had in uh, on the back burner they they're, they're off the boil now. Other right. potential jobs. So I thought, yeah, and and Chris was you know because he he wanted a he wanted to know. So I just yeah. said, yeah. What the hell? It's decent money, isn't and it? And he's a nice chap, is Chris, and and I can tell you, it's a lovely venue. Hmm. So we'll be working together again. Very exciting for the first time Very since um, twenty nineteen. Apart from this podcast, apart from this podcast, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh well, that's something to look forward to. Something to look forward to, indeed. Uh, well, I mean, you've got far more news than I have. Um, I, mine is a really simple, quick one. I've been diagnosed with ADHD. Yes, uh, finally at last. Which is, I mean, you you asked me an interesting question off at you know, hmm. is it good news? Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> I suppose. Yes, yeah. Once is. you're diagnosed, then treatment can begin, can't it? Or mitigation. Well, that would be nice. Um, so I need to get because the treatment for it is um, stimu- like the the medication is stimulants. Mm. It's, it's basically speed. <laughs> it's the, okay. Is the medication See, amphetamine? I have to say that ADHD is a, a syndrome that I don't understand because I would have just thought the speed would be the last thing you need if you're uh, so hyperactive. It's, it's not. Uh, it, it, it's greatly misunderstood. Mm. Um, in that regard so what ADHD actually I mean it it affects different people in different ways Mm. so you know I'm not saying this is a template for everyone but essentially it is about dopamine regulation or it not being regulated properly Mm. with an ADHD brain Um, yeah it's it's you don't get the you kind of you yeah yeah words. Um, mm. What's my job again? Um, yeah, so yeah, but the brain isn't 
if it's not regulating the dopamine properly, then ordinary everyday tasks like sitting in front of a microphone and just saying words becomes really difficult. Okay, because um, I, I yeah. haven't noticed that with you. I'm looking at you now well, sitting in front of a microphone and uh, thank you. you seem to be coping. Um, thank you. I So one of the things that was identified as part of my diagnosis is, I mean, at 50 years old, it, it's something that I will have had pretty much most of my life Hmm. they reckon by about the age of 12 if it's going to manifest that's when it will have manifested um but of course over all those years i i've just simply learnt coping strategies Hmm. uh, for most things um the emotional regulation is something i've always struggled with and and i i learnt a new phrase very recently um what's it rejection sensitivity dysphoria Okay. Uh, which basically means if you get rejected uh, socially or romantically or something like that, it affects you much, much stronger than it does neurotypical people. Okay. It's like it's a devastating, it's the end of the world uh, kind of feeling. Um, and that I, I absolutely 100% recognise and uh, associate with completely. And it's not something I've ever really found a coping strategy for. I've just dealt with it mm. and got on with it and felt absolutely crap and shitty whenever that rejection has happened. So, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, if- so I'm hoping, yes, eventually, once I get my blood pressure down, because my blood pressure's mm-hmm. high, then I can start the medication. And then, although I've got all these coping strategies, it'll just make life that bit easier. And that's, that's what we all want, isn't it? We all want life to just be a bit... Anything that makes life a bit easier is is good yeah. for all of us. I don't think many of our listeners would disagree with that. Oh, um, absolutely. And I, I can imagine as an actor that um, being unable to cope with rejection is a very... Um, or being less able to cope with it is, is a very difficult thing. I mean, the thing, the service or product that we are offering to the market, mm. that we are offering as our, as our stock in trade, is ourselves. And it's always being rejected. It gets rejected far more often than it gets accepted. Um, oh, yeah. Um, as, as an actor, you have to separate your the thing you're offering, that version of you, from your actual self. You, you have to kind of not take it personally and not start doubting that you're, you're any good at this or... You're absolutely bang on the money there. Um and, and yes, I've always sort of tried to mitigate it as much as I can. You know, mm. it's not it's not that they're rejecting me, it's just that they have this idea of what character they mm. want and I'm just not fitting that mould. But hey, you know, at least they got at least they wanted to see me mm. to to see if I might fit that mould. Um, you know. So I've I've tried to mitigate. There's always like you know you have up days and down days, don't I, you? I, I mean, I, I like doing auditions, and I regard them. Mm-hmm. I regard an audition as a practical acting gig. You're under professional direction. You're told what to do. You're maybe given a script to to learn. You go and do it, and you perform that professionally. That's you can't really claim it as a as a professional acting credit, but it really is, and is something that mm. may or may not. In fact, probably will not lead on to something else yes um, that's how you've yes. got to view it you've got to yeah, you know, do your audition and then forget it just move on to the next thing 
Absolutely. Um, and, and interesting, though, in a very, very similar vein, I've always said that my job as an actor is to audition. Now, if I happen to get work from that, that's just a bonus. Mm. <laughs> yeah. My job is to go for auditions. Um, unfortunately, um, we, don't there we, that, go. we don't live in a civilised country like Germany where you get paid to go to auditions and you get paid to... That? to, to what? Oh, yeah. This is news to me. Oh, good, yeah. In Germany, they get paid to go to auditions. In fact, I went to an audition in Hamburg years ago, and this actor was amazed that I wasn't getting paid for it. And I said, well, you know, I can claim my, my travel expenses. Well, not claim them, but I can write them <laughs> off against tax. He said, well, yeah. yeah, I can do that. But, you know, I'm actually, this is a, a gig, and I'm getting paid to be here. You can't just, wow. you can't expect people to prepare something and turn up and, and not pay them anything for it. That's ridiculous. That's unheard of in Germany. <laughs> That's what we need to be working, mate. But of course, uh, our countrymen have have decided that we shouldn't be allowed to do that. No, indeed. Anyway, this is not a political podcast. It's not an ADHD podcast. It's not an acting podcast. Let me try a segue. On the subject of rejection, let's talk about (laughs) Tucker Carlson. Because that's where this this week's episode really began with Tucker Carlson, who... um, um, no longer works for Fox News. Um, when he worked mm-hmm. for Fox News, he was constantly repeating Donald Trump's claim that he'd actually won the 2020 general election in the United States and that it was stolen from him by benevol- by malevolent forces who wished to see a satanic, communist, Marxist, whatever uh, regime installed and, and whatever. Tucker Carlson was happy to repeat that, which probably alienated him with more than half of America. And then when he finally said, oh, yeah, we were lying. We knew it was a lie. We, we knew we were lying. Throughout. That probably alienated him with the rest of America. So he's no longer, um, <laughs> he's persona non grata. However, that hasn't stopped him starting a podcast. And one of the first things he claimed on the podcast is that um, um, it was this David Grush story. That aliens walk right, amongst okay. us. So that's where we that's where we get to David Grouse <laughs> via Tucker Carlson you know via I'm, via. I'm sat there rejection. looking at my notes, thinking we're not here to talk about Tucker Carlson. What the hell's like, he talking what about? What's going on? Am I like, I, hang on, have I got this horribly wrong? Am I going to have to stop the recording and do some different <laughs> research? Okay, so I didn't know that about Tucker Carlson. Um, yeah, that's not come up in my research of David Grouse at all. Okay. Uh, so um, yeah. Tucker Carlson once again <laughs> you know the kind of journalism he engages in he has said yeah. without a shred of evidence or any proof that now we know that aliens walk among us because um, he's spoken to, to David Grush who also has gone public about stuff that he's never actually seen he's only heard well, about it let's let's just clarify what David Grush. Well, let's 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 look at David Grush and and tell our listeners just in case. Hmm. So this is actually a, so just a, let's backtrack even further. <laughs> this is a change to our planned episode. We were, we were planning to talk about orbs this episode, hmm. but we're not. We're talking about David Grush because at the time of recording, this is kind of breaking news. Um, this has happened earlier in the month. We're still recording in June. Um, and on June the 5th, this story broke um, through News Nation. Okay. Um, Ross uh, Coltard, uh, he interviewed David Grush, and 
all this information has come out. Now, David Grush is a decorated United States Air Force uh, combat officer, or was a combat officer. I don't know if that means he was a pilot in the Air Force, because presumably the Air Force would have ground troops as well. Um, I, I don't know, actually. I mean, certainly in Britain... Um, they have their the, the Royal Air Force have their own infantry. They're not happy to just have the army covering that side of thing. They have mm. their own RAF regiment people who pretty much do exactly the same as the army. Yes. But, uh, so I don't know if if yeah I don't know if he's a pilot or or if he's not, but definitely a decorated combat officer mm. and a respected of very well respected officer at that. Um, from 2019 to 2021, mm. he was the National Reconnaissance Office representative mm. on the UAP task force. Yeah. Um, and that's particularly um, relevant because during that time, so in 2021, as he was coming towards the end of that, uh, he files a whistleblower complaint... Uh, with Congress, because he has, he he says evidence that information was illegally being withheld, uh, connecting to UAPs. Uh, he has provided this information to Congress, but because of it, it is like you know, the equivalent of the Official Secrets Act. Hmm. He can't make it public, but he has given it to Congress. Um, now, he, he's clearly a chapman who knows what he's talking about when it comes to UAPs, because from 2021 to 2022, he is the co-lead for UAP analysis in the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of words. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of words there. Um, but yeah, the, this whistleblower complaint is is kind of the big issue that broke and, and he's gone public with it. He hasn't gone public with the information because he's not allowed to legally. It's worth noting as well, it, his interview where he talks very candidly about official programs crash retrieval programs of exotic materials and by exotic we mean non-human he's very specific about that in this interview Mm -hmm. non-human um craft being retrieved and there is an official government program for this he says um and he has given evidence of that to congress but he's not allowed to make it public himself. But that interview was sanctioned and authorised by the DOD. Yes. But he's also... The Department of Defence. I've seen, admitted that he hasn't actually seen this exotic material himself. He's only heard about it from people who quite likely haven't seen it either. It's the kind um, of... He says slightly different in the interview. He does say, like, he hasn't seen the photos himself, but he has spoken to many people who have seen the photos. Well, seeing a photo of something isn't the same as seeing an actual crashed alien spacecraft or an actual um, dead occupant of that spacecraft. No. At no point is he 
No, at no point is he claiming to have seen them. He is saying, I am aware of their existence via these other people who well, I trust. and I, I'm, I'm aware of rumours of their existence, is effectively what he's saying. That He didn't actually say he's spoken it, to someone who's actually seen it. He's, you know, it's, you know, the, the intelligence community is... You know, where people are so yeah, secretive. Yes. I mean, I know the American intelligence community isn't as obsessively secret as the British, but what you tend to get in the absence of information anywhere is rumours and stories and stuff gets believed because there's nothing... And, and then a story gets put up and it could be really outlandish and an official spokesman will say, well, I can neither confirm nor deny. That, oh, well, we're taking that as a yes then in that case. Uh, yes, that, that happens. But no, no, he is saying... He has spoken to people who have seen evidence and he has given Congress documents to support this. Yeah, but he still hasn't seen it himself. That's, that's No, but a, does he have to? Yeah, all, I think. All he's saying yeah, is, look, this stuff is out there. Hmm. Here's some documents to to support my claim that it's out there. And it is being illegally withheld. Um, well, that's for a lawyer to decide, isn't it? And as far as I know, as David, for, as for David, Congress to decide, David Grouch which is isn't. exactly the process he's doing. Well, then it'll be interesting to see what they do decide and what information it, can be released, and whether they're going to invite congressmen to come and view these crashed, exotic materials. Absolutely, or intact. Well. He said intact or almost intact alien craft that um, that the military want to keep secret because they want to develop it for a weapons technology, which of course they would. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he talks in the interview about like there being many craft, you know, that that have been basically downed, not just crashed, perhaps, but yeah, but just landed and then have been retrieved by this government program this government retrieval program um including occupants as well he specifically does say you know there are occupants hmm but he um, hasn't he, he hasn't actually seen them i mean that's the thing i'm just <laughs> going to keep going back to he hasn't actually seen okay, it uh, and he's heard it from people who probably haven't seen it either they've just heard a rumor no, 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 no. He he's heard it from people who have seen the evidence, and he has documents to back that up. It's, this is really. I, I, We're going to go around in circles on this, aren't we? We are a little bit. But okay, what one thing I'm I'm going to point out here is every single person who the media have spoken to who have worked with him who know him mm. have all said how completely and utterly credible he is not one person has said yeah well he was always a bit you know well i'm saying um, it <laughs> he seems a bit flaky to me ah, but you don't know him i don't know him no <laughs> you're going on i, evidence I, I don't even know him, him and i don't know <laughs> throw your own argument back at you yeah you, you you haven't even met someone who's met him so yeah i mean you know we've, we've been hearing stories about these crashed spacecraft for what 70 80 years now and mm -hmm. yeah we're still yet to see anything 
Yeah, well, our, our aircraft is still using fossil fuels. Well, the we ones still can't that are publicly publicly We can just about yes. crash something onto Mars or crash something on a probe into Jupiter or whatever, but um, yeah, that's powered well, by fossil reverse fuels. Engineering, reverse engineering something that could be millennia ahead of us technologically is not going to be a fast overnight process. Um, you, you, you do, I mean, oh gosh, the Japanese have a, a, a saying, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So, mm. you know, if you get this, this alien, this extraterrestrial or possibly interdimensional or, or whatever craft that is full to the brim of technology that you simply is just utterly beyond you. It is, it's like dropping, it's like dropping a fighter jet in Bronze Age Man. You know, how can you be, how can Bronze Age Man begin to understand a heads up display system or um, fiber optics or, uh, or a, a silicon chip? But by the you know, how, yeah. how can it begin to understand you, it? Using that an, a, analogy, um, suppose you had a, a, a remote Pacific island where people still lived, say, in the Stone Age, so we're going about 30,000, 40,000 years behind us. Um, and when we finally go there, there's loads of crashed modern aircraft, loads of crashed jet fighters, there's a beached nuclear submarine, there's all this stuff there, and... and some of the crew are still... They've got bodies of the crew. They've got some of the crew still living with them. I think the question they were, we would be asking, well, why do, why do our craft keep crashing there? I mean, surely the extraterrestrials... How come their, their craft keep crashing? They can't be that advanced. Is, and is, is that technology we want to reproduce if it just crashes all the time and kills the occupants? So there have been theories... So, so for one thing, the retrieval programme isn't just for crash... <laughs> Crashed, crashed vehicles. Getting all weird now. Uh, For it it isn't just for crashed vehicles; Mm. it's for landed vehicles as well. Um, So it's not just crashed vehicles, but also there have there there are many. Now we're getting into the realms of deep speculation here, Mm. and I, I I fully acknowledge that. But there are lots of rumours that there are. Anti, anti flying saucer weapons being employed by the government. Um, you know that we have found ways and means of bringing them down. So it might not be an accidental crash. But that that would wouldn't that also be like the Stone Age people on this remote island developing their own anti stealth bomber technology because they've got bows and arrows that can bring it down? Or you know, aren't we that? Isn't the the technological gap that of, of that order between us and them? We can shoot down a craft that's so advanced that we can't even understand how it works, and we can't reproduce. Well, we might be able to understand it, but we can't reproduce it. Let let me skew your technology ever so slightly, because I bet one hundred percent if a helicopter flies low enough, you could take it out with the trebuchet. It would be a really lucky shot. Okay. But if you're... So, we, we one of the things that, that is coming to light um, quite dramatically is mm. that these UFOs, these UAPs, are around us all the time. You know, we're not talking like 
you know, oh, there might be one in the atmosphere, mm. um, one a year visits us or anything like No, we're talking about hundreds, thousands of these things constantly in orbit or, or, or zooming around the planet for whatever reason, we don't know. Mm. Um, so, yeah, even if you get a one in a thousand shot, that's still, you know, you can still bring down one a day doing that. Hmm. You would think they would learn um, countermeasures, wouldn't you, against uh, our primitive technology? You think one of our craft got shut down by a primitive weapon? Well, okay, let's well, uh, mitigate is, against that. Is is the weapon itself reverse engineered from a craft that was downed? We can really get into speculative territory you really here. Can. Aren't we? I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to acknowledge that is going a bit down the rabbit hole. Mm. But with thousands and thousands of these craft all the time, it is reasonable to assume that no matter how good the safety record is, how advanced the technology, an accident can happen. Multiple accidents can happen. If you throw enough. Of these things into the atmosphere, yeah, something something might crash into a um, a mountain or you know accidentally break or whatever. That that I think is fairly reasonable. So we we are talking about yeah every year thousands of these things spotted, most of which can be explained away. So you're only talking about a relatively small number of aerial phenomena remain unidentified most of it is i'm talking IAPs. about the thousands that remain the, the, the thousands that that fly into zones that are capable of defending themselves against them that you know you wonder why they would do that well of the hundreds of thousands of reports i agree mm. only thousands of those remain unexplained yeah um so yeah it, it's no that there are there are many many more reports absolutely and most of them as i've said on this podcast before i'm i'm more than happy to concede that yes most ufo reports are explainable by mundane means by terrestrial means by light refraction mm. or or optical illusion or misidentification misidentification is probably the vastly biggest one you know is it a satellite going overhead is it is it jupiter that we can see mm. you know briefly uh, every now and then is it just simply a plane yeah. an ordinary aeroplane uh, or a bird or, or a superman bag or, or a balloon or, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely misidentification is a huge part of it but there still remain thousands that go unexplained mm. but remember that you know the people like david Gruss. Um, he would have been primarily concerned with air defence against a, a more prosaic and terrestrial enemy. He would have, his concern would have been with China and Russia. What 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 can they send into American airspace? You know, if there's something yes. that doesn't even have a a, a physical a solid form, um, yeah, you've got to. Wonder why he would be concerned with that. Uh, yeah, interdimensional well, all, craft are going to be very hard to shoot down. I would have thought. All all he's said so far is that during his time uh, on the UAP task force, mm. 
he was made aware that of certain programs of uh, certain materials that he asked for access to and then their existence was denied despite the fact he had proof of their existence mm. so that would be illegal that would be illegal under congress uh, keeping it all secret and within the the, the government or the defense department of defense or or whatever absolutely that would be legal but to deny its existence especially when you've got proof of its existence that's illegal so he's gone to congress and said here is the proof of their existence that he can't share with the public i've been denied its existence they're breaking the law let's sort this out so can we expect that sometime soon there will be a full revelation no, it's still well, going to remain secret, isn't it? Even if Congress say, okay, we've seen this document now, we understand why it's got to be kept secret, we're not telling anyone. But, you know, who's going to be, there's going to be people in Congress who the US military don't trust. Yes, absolutely. Um, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Now, I've, I've, <laughs> I've made a very bold statement on this podcast mm. before that we are in the middle of disclosure right now. Right now, throughout the world, globally, disclosure is happening. It's not the binary thing that most people think of it, though. Mm. One day, you know, you go to bed and the governments are saying, no, UFOs don't exist at all. And the next day you wake up and it's like, and here's E.T. You know, but it hasn't it's happened not yet. Be that and yeah, there will be some people in Congress who they will regard as practically communists because they don't like their political views. There'll be some people in Congress who say, well, no, this person cannot be trusted with classified material because they'll quite likely take it home and show it to their friends and claim that they've declassified it just by thinking about it. Um, yeah, like happened with Jesse Marcel yeah. <laughs> in Roswell. Yes, he took it home and showed it to his son. Um, yeah. Um, and and that's part that's part and parcel of what happens, sure. Mm. But beyond that, even if you've got full agreement that disclosure should happen, you're still going to get this this case where where society as a whole needs to be reconditioned to accept it. First of all, that's what's happening at the moment. I'm absolutely supremely convinced of this that that is what is happening at this moment. We are being prepared conditioned um were being normalized to full disclosure coming up very soon and this drip feed of information like in 2017 when the pentagon released those videos of, of oh. tic-tac-toe and, mm. and and what have you that's all part and parcel of it not tic-tac-toe uh, the tic-tac <laughs> sorry tic-tac-toe's a game yeah um yeah, yeah, the tic tac lights skimming across partial. the sea or skimming under the sea or whatever that is hard is hard to see from the video. Um, but you know, but yes, what happens with this will be really interesting, and it, it'll, I think, it'll indicate where we are on the disclosure scale because um, I think it's just a gradual scale. Um, but it's interesting to note that uh, David Grush basically this fucked up his career. Uh, he has been uh, very strongly, discreetly, and uh, behind closed doors, um, penalised. His career is so. I thought obliterated. Wasn't his career already pretty much over, and uh, he's just getting revenge now? 
No, they wouldn't have made him the uh, uh, the National Reconnaissance Office representative on the UAP task force. I, I thought that's what, what he over. used to be before he started making these that's claims. What he was at, that's what he was at the time that he okay. started this whistleblower report. The um, yeah, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency job was more sidelining, and now since twenty two. He's no, his, his career is now over. Um, he's actually taking them to court for that. I don't think that society is being prepared for anything. I don't think that society is any in any fit state to be told something that is an objective truth. You know, there are look at the um, American evangelist community in the states. They homeschool their children so that they are not exposed to the corrupting influences of mathematics, science, the arts, social mm. sciences, humanities, geography, history. You know, they don't want them to know any of that stuff. They got all their own special religious education that um, has been prepared by their by their mega church pastor. That's uh, mm. you know by their cult leader. Yeah, you're not going to be able to present information to them in the same way that you present it to European university graduates. I I absolutely agree with that, um, but then you're not talking about the majority. The majority of people, I I, I don't care what mm. country you're from, um, are just normal people that who just okay. get on with their lives and do what they can and go to work and come home and watch Coronation Street or Days of Our Lives, depending on what country you live in. Or So how long have we been prepared for disclosure of these things? I, I would suggest that um, the people who first said we need to you know, condition the public, we need to prepare them so that they don't freak out when they're presented with this information, I would be willing to bet those people are no longer alive. That, oh, because absolutely. they've been saying that for decades and decades. Um, I think... <clears throat> We will be we, we will be talking about this next year, and there will will still be no closer to any form of disclosure. You know when when they're going to do it. I think yes, we'll be talking about it next year, just the same. I do think we'll be closer. I, I mean, I agree. We've been oh, decades doesn't even cut it. I I would estimate that. The program for disclosure has been happening for maybe 60, 70 years. So absolutely, the people who instigated it, probably not alive now. I'd agree 100% with that. Mm. But it's not it's not a fixed, fixed line slant. Uh, it's not a, a, a sort of like a standard ramp. It's more like uh, an exponential curve. So as you get closer to disclosure, the the acceleration of information that becomes public increases, and that's that's what we're starting to see now. Is now we've had a lot of the ramp up. You look at ten years ago, people talking about UFOs would be laughed at publicly <laughs> they, they still are laughed they, at still the are, they still are david grish is being laughed at in this yeah but not to the same extent nowhere near to the same extent he is now given a lot more credence and taken a lot more seriously than he would have been 10 years ago in the media the public media by the public generally speaking i mean the information is presented differently i mean part of the reason 
they use terms like UAP instead of UFO now. Part of it is because they're saying, well, it's not necessarily an ob- actually an actual object. It could be a trick of the light or atmospherics or whatever. But also part of it is to get away from this idea of little green men. That, yeah, that you, you saw something in the sky. It couldn't be identified. That doesn't mean that it's a craft from another world. Well, UAP has been in use um, officially for about 50 years now. Um, a lot of people are, mm. are, are, are not aware of this. And I would say, yeah, general public would not be aware of this. And, of course, the general public still uses terms like UFO when they mean a flying saucer. They don't mean an unidentified object because they say, oh, UFOs are real. Well, yeah, of course they are. Anything you see in the sky that you don't know what it is mm. is a UFO. So, of course, it's real. Yeah. It can be a bird and a UFO. Mm. Well, yes, birds are real, although... I've seen some YouTube videos that claim birds are not real, but that's really going down, <laughs> down quite. Yeah, the and, and as long um, as you've got, we're still that—that's our currency. We're still trading in that kind of thing that birds aren't real, the dinosaurs weren't real, all all that kind of stuff. How do you disclose something like this? <sighs> Carefully yeah. and with a. With a decades-long and program, who who believes it when it when the information is first disclosed? I mean, who it's disclosed to, or who actually accepts it, will also play a large part in who doesn't accept it. If it's something that's that's um, accepted and believed by the evangelical Christian far right in America, an awful lot of people aren't going to believe it just for that reason. No, this is just some crap that they believe. They believe all sorts yeah, of stuff. Yeah. You're always going to get an element of that, but that's kind of that's an important part of the disclosure. You know, giving people the option, if you like, to point to things that are that that are in denial of it, if it is too much for that individual to accept. So that slowly, so that you know, not so much to convince them, but at least to open their children's minds to the idea. So, you know, it's like, um, look at, right, you and I are of an age whereby we can remember back when computers were these room-sized, towering, Hmm. building-sized, monolithic beasts. Yeah. And you look at kids today, kids today, Mm. um, I'm going to be telling them to get off my lawn Mm. in a minute. Um, but you you look at the, the, the young folk today and they have an affinity, they have an understanding of computers that you and I, if we'd have studied computers all our lives, couldn't begin to grasp because they have grown up with it, because it has been part of their existence in a way it never was for us. Well, I accept that they know how to use them. They, they know how to employ it, you know, do a certain task using this computer and this computer. I'm not, I'm, I don't think it's true to say that they understand how they work. Oh, I, th- I, I think. I imagine your average iPhone do. user doesn't really understand the technology. And that's the thing. As technology advances and becomes more sophisticated, you require less knowledge about how it works to use it. In the old days, when a computer was a building sized thing, all the people working in that building really knew at a, at a granular level how this thing worked. They had to know that. Like when people were driving cars in, in the 1910s, they really had to have a good mechanical knowledge of how it worked because it would be constantly breaking down and they would be constantly having to adjust things and fix things. Whereas you get a car now, um, people don't even know how to open the bonnet, the hood. 
to even look at mm. the engine, let alone do anything with it. Uh, and I think it's the same is, with computers. Uh, people that. use iPhones. They use these game consoles. They use that kind of thing. They don't. Un- they don't understand how it works, and they don't need to because that's how the technology moves on. That that it moves out of the laboratory, out of the realm where only an expert can use it, to be able to be for everyday use by anyone. There is uh, absolutely. I'll, I'll agree with you hmm. on that point. That. You know there is that section of society, but but even knowing how to program computers, I mean I I learnt to program basic you know, mm. in basic, um, and I can I can just about understand that. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, computer programmers now it, it's a it's a completely different thing. For- but I think when you grow up with a thing, when you normalise to it, you you accept it far more readily. And this is like bringing it back round yeah. to the. <laughs> The UFO no, but thing. That's, that, that's what's happening. That, it's not about us. It's about our our children sort of accepting it more readily. And their children accepting it more readily even more. But, yeah, that's that, how that's, But that's the point I'm getting at. That, say, in 1980, the only person who would access a computer would be a computer programmer. Whereas now... It's accessed by all sorts of people who haven't got, haven't got the faintest idea how anything well, works. Okay, about, okay, but that, that, you know. that was just an analogy that I was trying to put. Yeah, in. but that's what yeah, I mean. Maybe it, was, the, maybe it was maybe it was a bad analogy. The, the the point I'm making is that something that our parents would have absolutely refuted and would have refused to accept. You and I, Neil, are far more open-minded about. Our children will be more open-minded again. Their children will be far more accepting of it. And you look at that disparity between our parents and our grandchildren, and that that if if you focus that purely on the UFO UAP um, phenomenon. Hmm. That difference, that that societal difference, is absolutely devastating. It, it, it's a huge. No, I, I think it varies from person to person. Some people will continue to keep an open mind and keep up with the technology throughout their lives. Other people, like my mother, for instance, she and technology parted ways somewhere around 1980 with the advent of the the video recorder when she was in her 40s. You know, she never learned how to use or program a videotape machine. And she's just been left. She hasn't got a computer. She hasn't got a mobile phone. She's never sent an email or browsed a website. She's never used a streaming service. She still watches television like it's the 1970s, gets up her TV guide, says, oh, what's what's on tonight? Just a load of old rubbish. And then falls asleep in front of whatever pulp is being put out <laughs> for people of that generation. You know, she's only got a... a an automatic washing machine and and digital television because we installed it for her that yeah and there will be people like that who just at a certain age 40 50 that's it they're not going any further it's everything else is just all this newfangled stuff that i don't understand that they've always been with us you know there there would have been people a hundred years ago all these internal combustion engine oh i've got a i've got a horse and that's reliable you can always point to individuals like yeah. that, but what I'm talking about is society. You know where the bell curve lies in in statistical terms. I think it's somewhere between those two extremes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Oh, absolutely, it is one hundred percent. But that bell curve is shifting. That's what I'm saying. Mm. That bell curve is shifted. Anyway, we've gone right off topic, <laughs> as we always do. So back to Dave Grush. So uh, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb uh, and extrapolate from what you're saying here 
Perhaps you don't believe him, Neil? I, I don't believe him. He is claiming things that he's only heard rumours about that he hasn't actually seen himself. Um, Why would he do that? Why would he fuck up his own career and do that? Who knows? I don't know the bloke. Okay. But <laughs> what I do know is that these crashed spacecraft, whatever, he hasn't actually seen them. Nope. And... and I'm right there with you. He doesn't claim to have seen them. He has only seen evidence of the programs surrounding them, um, not the actual things itself. And he doesn't claim to have. Um, now, I absolutely, 100% believe it. Not only for you know, like I say, you know, talking about self sabotage here in doing what he's doing, um, but everyone who has worked with him everyone who's come forward who who knows him personally have said how utterly credible he is um and and having watched sort of i've i found sort of as many segments of the interview uh with news nation uh as i possibly can and and sort of put all that together yeah he strikes me as an incredibly credible person um mm. but what do you think listeners uh are you familiar with the dave grush interview have you watched it yourself uh what's your opinion do you agree with neil that he's just talking nonsense or do you think that he's just wants the truth to be known as i as I suggest, uh, do let us know what you think via the usual means. You can email us aliensexplored at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube by searching Aliens Explored. And of course, if you subscribe to our Patreon, you get exclusive access to our Patreon only Discord server where you can chat about this with like minded people. And we've, uh, we've revamped our Patreon, so now, very simply, if you want to help support us it's going to cost you two pound a month or whatever your local currency is which is around about 50 pence an episode which i think is an absolute bargain don't you neil i do yeah there we go so do help us that would be much much appreciated join us next time though when uh, oh neil we're going to be finally getting around to it. it's been put back twice <laughs> really from where we were originally going to discuss it uh, because of breaking news so unless anything happens in the next five minutes uh, we're going to be talking about the orb phenomenon in ufology so you don't want to miss that but that's going to be a big old topic um, in the meantime keep watching out for disclosure in all its many forms and of course keep watching this and don't hold your breath catch you next time <laughs> take care everyone bye, bye. Aliens Explored is a Fiegel Films production in association with Juicy Falls. Music by Darren Mafucci and editing by Stu Jackson. Find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching Aliens Explored or visit aliensexplored.com. <laughs>